Hi friends, I am Erin from Erin Whalen Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey. From an urban farm in Washington State to 120 acres in Tennessee, this is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we're building our homestead from the ground up. Thanks for being here. Hello friends, happy second to last Monday of August. I cannot believe we are nearing the end of this month and we're going to go into September, which to me is like the minute September 1st hits, it is like no holds bar. It is fall. It's time to decorate. It's time to do all the things. Uh, I don't know. My mood changes. Just like I get so excited and I love, I am a summer girl. I love summer, but fall is definitely like my second favorite. It's a close tie. Um, and so I think like as, I don't know, as the years progress, I just, I love fall even more. I think after a crazy summer of being hectic and running around and all the things, especially this summer, that the structure of fall and planning and the holidays, um, they just, they bring a sense of calm to me and a sense of excitement and just warmth. Um, it's, it's like seeing a really good friend after months and months of being apart, um, which I would know all about because I just saw my family and friends when I went to Spokane this last week. So I did not get to, I, I again, I'm always overestimating the amount of things that I think I can get done. Um, and that happened with last week because I left on Monday, um, flew out on Monday from Tennessee to Washington to do some filming for Washington Grown. Um, and so I... I, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, I totally got this. I can um, easily try to film a podcast and do all the things and, um, and I can, I can get it done. Yeah. That, so that didn't happen. Um, Sunday was crazy with getting ready to prep and to, and to leave and all the things. And so I did not get a podcast in, which, uh, I think my sister didn't even ask cause she just knew it wasn't happening, even though you know, deep down, I thought I could do it. But anyhow, we're back this week and filming went amazing. So I have never done, I mean, I have done a lot of different things and I've done a lot of different trips for, um, with different companies as an influencer. Um, I've been on a podcast before I've done audio for different things and I've done like short clips of myself, um, that have been used for different companies and stuff, but to actually be filmed for like filmed for a TV show by a true, professional film crew for a professional Emmy winning show was just (laughs) it's still wild to me that it happened I'm so excited that it happened it was such a crazy experience I think like part of me more I mean I was excited to share my knowledge and to talk and to um to just be part of it but I was also just fascinated to learn how filming goes because me I am a I'm a constant learner I always want to know how things work and why it works and kind of the things behind it and so to be able to see how a film crew set up to see the cameras they use to see how they matched up the audio and how they did all I mean it just I wish I could have asked them more questions but because they were filming me <laughs> it's kind of a limited time but it was so cool to see how the production of it all works and I just have so much appreciation for all these shows because oh my gosh there's so there's so much that goes in I mean we filmed was it 13 minute and a half segments in a day and a half and a lot went into filming these tiny little segments that are probably going to hopefully I make them look easy they it was just such a blast to do it I was I wrote a blog post about it um which if you guys want to I pretty much always share my weekly things. And then a few, I try to share recipes, some DIYs, and then just kind of updates on the farm every month. 
probably about like three, three, and three of each of the things because I love obviously DIY and farming and then I love recipe development and then I just like to keep people updated because um, again, our internet here is very spotty and so I used to be I mean, I still am super active on Instagram stories, but I can't say as much because our internet is just kind of crap here. We're waiting for Starlink, which is supposed to come next year. We're on the wait list, but um, even the RV one wasn't available in our area right now. So if you hear the clipping, that's the dog going back and forth. I should have kicked him out. Um, so anyhow, where was I Where was I going with that? Oh, just that, uh, so yeah, you can find more about the the whole experience on um, my blog, erinwhalenonline.com. But yeah, it was just so fun. And the film crew was, and production, like they were just so kind, so amazing, um, and very patient with this um, newbie who I kind of had an idea of what I, or how it went, but until you're actually in it, um, you don't really know. But we had scheduled out so I was supposed to film Monday or Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday but we actually got it in Tuesday and half of Wednesday um, because we were able to just clip along for me I am very an off-the-cuff person so if like they asked if I wanted to have um, like one of the boards where it's all written out and you j like read it behind the camera and I mean even them saying that instant anxiety for me because I am not a scripted out I can't do that like oh that just instant instant anxiety so if I had to do more than two takes on anything, I started fumbling and kind of getting uh, just, it, was, it wasn't it was as authentic, I guess. So usually I could do it in one to two takes for most everything. And you have to do like an intro and you have to do like, usually they want like one or two intros and then one or two outros so that they can pick and choose and decide which one they like best. And then you go through the main part and you can stop and ask questions because they can cut that out and then you can start again. So it was actually very forgiving, the whole process of a filming and I just kept a positive attitude, caffeine at the ready, a lot of water and um, and it went really good. So they, they air, I believe, they said in January. Um, and so I will share that and link to it and everything on my blog as well when it, they actually go live. But um, I'm hoping to work with them more in the future with maybe some recipe development and some fun things. And so we'll just see what comes out of this. But um, even if it was just that and only that, it was such a great experience. And I was just so um, honored and just grateful that they chose me out of all the amazing people that they have in Washington State and the Pacific Northwest in general that um, kind of do the same similar thing that I do. But anyhow, so that enough of that. That was fun. And this week we are talking here about herbs and more specifically drying herbs. Um, I, you know, we started this with the moving across the country and everything else. And I really organically wanted to just develop this into um, some updates on houses and DIYs and things like that. I'm kind of, I'm all over the place. And so my podcast and everything that I do socially is kind of all over the place too. They say niche down. Well, my niche down is farm life and DIY. <laughs> And that's as, that's as much as I can niche down. Um, and so today we're going to talk about drying herbs, which is actually one of the things I talked about on the podcast. And I just thought, or not the podcast, excuse me, the um, the TV show. And I just thought how um, pertinent to talk about that right now as we're kind of ending summer out. We're kind of closing out. There's a few more. I'm about ready to plant my fall garden. But a lot of harvesting is happening right now. And that also is the herbs and stuff too, because a lot of them are going to try to go to seed if they haven't already. And especially things like basil and stuff, you don't actually want to go to seed or flower. You want them to, because once they do that, a lot of times herbs will lose their flavor. So let's just, let's just start with that. So you can dry your own herbs. I recommend, I don't really recommend drying store-bought herbs. Um, you want to dry herbs that are less than, if you can, you know, fresh picked or less than 24 hours old, just because they're going to start losing their, their potent, their, their potenance. 
think that's right. Um, and then with the ones in the store, they have traveled for usually days to get to where they are. And I just kind of like, if you can buy them from the store, why would you dry them anyhow? You know, you're already purchasing them. They're, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing. When people can things and dry things, maybe if you can get on sale or a really good deal or a bulk item and you know that it's pretty fresh and it's a, it's a good quality. But most of the time, I'm going to say, if you can't find it at the farmer's market or you can't grow it yourself, um, or you can't get it from like a local farm, I don't, I don't really see the, the reasoning behind canning or drying or just like preserving in general. Cause you're trying to get the best produce at the optimal time. Um, and you're trying to basically save money. So you're growing yourself and harvesting and preserving. Um, and so that holds true with herbs. So if you can get it, if you can go pick herbs from a local um, grower or if you can get them from the farmer's market or if you can do them from yourself, those are the three best ways to get your herbs so that they have the most flavor um, and benefit for you. Now, another thing I want to um, definitely hone in on is the essential oils that are in herbs, which have been used for years medicinally in tinctures um, as flavors for foods. Herbs are like you guys know, if you follow my Instagram, I am so picky about herbs anytime. And, and I'm going to sound like a snob, but I am okay with that. Anytime I see someone with great value herbs from like Walmart or just like the $1.99 herbs, I literally cringe and I want to just take them and throw them in the trash. And I want to tell them what a disservice they are doing to themselves. Because a lot of times I have seen herbs, even at Sam's Club that are from China. Um, don't, don't get your herbs from China, you guys. Please, please don't do that. Um, and herbs can be grown very inexpensively, harvested, and all, all of it very inexpensive. Herbs do not have to be expensive. I love to get mine. If I cannot grow mine, my number one source to get them is Mountain Rose Herbs. They are based out of, um, they are based out of where? Sorry, they are based out of, I believe it's Portland, Oregon. It is Oregon. I completely spaced it and I knew in my head. I just couldn't get it out in words. Um, anyhow, they, honestly, their stuff is organic. And I think their prices are very, very good. Um, if you go ahead and look, you can buy in bulk, like large amounts. You can buy just the little, the regular glass spice jars. They have an absolutely anything you want, they have it. So if you can't grow it or source it locally, I really encourage you to, to do that. I also encourage everyone to get a mortar and pestle. Um, I have found it's so beneficial to just really break open those herbs, even if I get crushed things, crushed herbs from, um, mountain rose and I'm using those I a lot of times will just still toss it into my mortar and pestle and really just work it in I'll usually if I have um, a stew or something that requires five different herbs I will instead of just throw them directly in the stew I will throw them all in the um, size that they need to be into the mortar and pestle and I'll grind them all together and it just really releases everything that's in them the oils the flavor everything so that when I dump it in there especially with you know young kids as well if there's like chunks of you know yellow of garlic or if there's chunks of parsley or something in there they're gonna be like yeah but if you really grind it up to more of a powder it's less likely for them to pick it out too so that's like also another added bonus so definitely think that everyone should have mortar and pestle um i bought mine off amazon it's marble and i think i got it for uh, like 20 25 dollars and i use it almost daily basically daily <laughs> um, i also like to ground my peppercorns in there too it's just, it's good. It's amazing. It's better than good. So if I, if there's one thing you take away from this, even if you don't dry your own herbs or you don't want to do that, mountain rose herbs or locally, get your herbs. Do not get them from Walmart, please. I beg you. I beg you not to do that. Okay. So now that we've covered that and you guys will never buy um, great value herbs ever, ever again, um, we're going to talk about drying them. 
So herbs are best harvested in the morning. And I know a lot of people are say, say that that's because um, if they're plump in the morning, they have the most water in them, which is very, very true. Um, a lot of the sweetness and stuff, the leaves just the, the plant pulls back in the daytime to preserve itself. And so it sucks things out of the leaves. And so that's why in the afternoon, your leaves and your plants can look a little sad. In the morning, they always look beautiful. And another one of the reasons you want to gather them in the morning is for the essential oils. And so we all know essential oils that we've seen, like essential oil companies, whether you buy into that, you don't. Um, I do. I don't buy into a specific brand, but I do buy into the process of it. And what you can get with essential oils, are they overused? I think so. I think that essential oils are are easy and that sometimes they are overused like an antibiotic or something else. This is something that I've just been researching lately about how the overuse can also cause resistance in your body and the absorption and everything because you, just like anything, even with elderberry, if you're giving your children elderberry in the wintertime, um, it's really, really good to not give it to them through the spring and summer because your body can develop kind of a tolerance to it. And so you always want to kind of shock your body with different things. Um, and so a lot of times that means taking a break from something or not using as much of it or pulling back on it. Um, and uh, just kind of the similar thing with smells, you know, everyone wants something to smell good. So they throw stuff in there. Well, why does it have to smell like something? Why can't it just be clean? But that's getting into a whole other subject, which a lot of you are probably putting your eyebrows up now. Like, what? Are you actually going to talk about herbs? Yes. Okay, so we're in the morning. We're grabbing our herbs. We want, to, we want to get those essential oils that are in the leaves, and we want to keep that in there. So what that means is that when we're gathering these herbs, we don't want to touch them. We don't want to, like... We want to grab them by the stems and cut them by the stems, but we don't want to do a lot of touching of the leaves. We don't want to be grabbing the leaves or um, rubbing against them because that's going to release what you're trying to encapsulate in the leaf in the drying process. So it's going to release the essential oils. That's going to kind of like um, allow oxygen in, which then makes the flavor so they're not as intense. Um, and so you're really going to want to avoid touching them as much as possible. And you're going to want to, especially for things like basil and most plants, um, most herbs you're going to want to grab before they flower because once they flower, the plant is no longer trying to put energy into the leaves. They're trying to put it into producing flowers, which are going to produce seeds, which they're going to help the plant live another year, you know, produce for next year. They're going to re reproduce essentially. Um, and so you, especially throughout the year, if you notice that your basil is trying to flower early, just always clip the flowers off. Always clip way down to the first set of leaves that you see on the bottom. Just clip those flowers off, get them out of the way so that your plant can really go into producing more of the leaves, which are going to give you a healthier yield in the fall so that you can have, I go through herbs like crazy. So, um, the more the merrier. And especially with the staples that I would say basil's a staple, parsley, um, I mean, garlic, but that's kind of different. You harvest that in the spring, though you plant in the fall. So if you haven't planted garlic yet, go ahead and do that. Um, I, I love all herbs, so I really can't, I can't be partial here or, yeah, I can't be one specific. I'm still tired from my trip, guys, so hold on with me through this. So once we are going to do that, we're going to just take a basket, take a container of some sort and just snip them off so that you have probably about four to six inches of stem on there. You're going to want to hang them um, with a few other ones and you don't want to be too close together so that you, we want to prevent molding um, and we want to prevent, yeah, mostly molding. So we're going to go through, we're going to grab them. If you see some leaves that maybe have some yellow spots or dirty or anything like that. You don't want to have those leaves. We're pretty much looking for the best of the best for the drying process. So if there's any kind of leaves that just are looking a little sad, we're going to just pluck those off and we're going to set those aside. And you can do that in the washing process as well. So once you've gathered up enough of your herbs, you're going to bring them inside and we're going to just wash them in water. 
Again, we're pretty much going to set them in the water. Just take the stem, shake them a little bit. We're not going to get in there and move the leaves around, scrub, anything like that. We're not going to use vinegar or anything else with them because we're already getting the best of the best leaves that don't have any kind of impurities on them. The washing process doesn't have to be super, super heavy. We just want to get the bugs off, any kind of dirt that's on there and things like that. We're going to set them aside then on like a paper towel or um, a cotton cloth and we're going to maybe just allow them to air dry a little bit or just tap them a little as well to um, with the stem, just tap them on the on the cloth to distribute that water off of it and then we're going to start gathering them in bunches and hanging them now again with this process you don't want to get too many together because you want airflow airflow is king here to make sure that your herbs dry well and that um, they don't get the mold in them of being pressed up against another leaf and not getting the oxygen oxygen that they need to dry. Um, and so we're I usually use jute twine. You can use um, cooking twine. That's also a really good one as well. And we're gonna just take a few bunches at a time and we're going to tie them up with a string and then we're going to hang them. Um, and I wanna touch on the different processes of drying real quick um, and just kind of give you an idea of why I think hanging is best. Um, there's obviously, you're gonna find a million and one ways to do out there, dehydrating, cooking them in the oven, tons of different ways. But when you apply heat to drying herbs, you're basically cooking them, which is ruining the essential oil in them and also reducing the flavor. Cooking is not what you want to do to the herbs until you are done and you want to release that flavor into whatever dish that you're doing. But until you want that flavor released in something, you want it to be encapsulated and stuck inside the leaf. So by doing a cooking process of a dehydrator or doing it in the oven or setting it in the sun, also not a great idea. You're going to not have the best potency um, and you're going to remove some of the health benefits that herbs offer you. Um, and so if you are going to use a dehydrator, I mean, it is possible, but you are going to want to put that thing down to low, like no more than 90. And it's going to take hours and hours, if not a couple days of rotation to dry them that way. And so instead of just worrying about, oh, I need to rotate um, the layers in that, or I need to watch the oven because I have it on so, so low, which I don't think most ovens can even go to 90. Um, drying is just an easy to set it and forget it. I mean, you're going to pop over there every few days, make sure you have them in the right spot, uh, make sure that you don't have anything molding. But besides that, it's kind of a set and forget it and um, you're done. Now for drying, it's going to vary depending on where you live. If you have a lot of, um, like if you're like us here in Tennessee and you have some humidity, then it's going to take longer because you have more water in the air than if you live somewhere where it's like Arizona, very dry heat, and it's going to probably dry a lot faster. So just, this is kind of a learning experience the first time that you do it as what works best, what area of your house works best. Um, you're going to want, like I said before, indirect sunlight. You don't want direct sunlight on this thing because again, you don't want to cook it. If you get direct sunlight in a window, I mean, you can easily be over 100 degrees um, and just cooking those leaves. So that's not something we want to do. I would usually say a, a dining room is a good spot. Anywhere in your house that has good airflow, you can even open it if you, depending on where you live, you could open up a window with indirect light, have some air go through that and, um, that would be an awesome way. Or for, for us, I would hang mine in my dining room. We have a lot of people walking back and forth. There's airflow in there, but we have a lot of windows. They're all covered though with um, blinds. And so you don't get the direct sunlight, but it is warm in there and you are going to dry them fairly quickly. Um, and so just, just play around your house, put them in a few in different areas and just see the drying times and the difference. Um, the one thing a lot of people worry about too is how do I know that they're dry? What if I put them in a glass jar and they mold or they get gross? It's fairly simple to be able to tell if you have a dried herb. You're going to be able to 
crunch them very easily. So th through the drying process, you can kind of see first they're going to be beautiful green, then they're going to kind of turn colors and they're going to shrivel. But if you touch the leaves, they're still going to not be that crunch there. They're just going to be kind of wilty and just overall sad looking. They're going to look like some sad, sad leaves. Um, and then as the process continues, they're going to get stiffer and you're going to see where it forms more of a hard, like a shell-like quality to them. And then when you push them eventually when you touch them they're going to crunch and so you're waiting for that crunch phase where they break apart fairly easy and fall on your hand and you can really tell that there's not much water there now some place it might take a few weeks to that some places might take a little over a month but it should be I would say typically around a month drying time for herbs um Again, could be less or more depending on your area. Um, any more than that though, and you probably will deal with mold issues. So I always check the herbs too. And if you see any moldy leaves, that doesn't mean you have to toss the whole bunch away. It either means that you need to change your spot. You might have put too many too many stalks together and they didn't get enough um, airflow in them. Um, those are usually like the two most common things. So if you see a moldy leaf, pluck it off, check the leaves around it, make sure that the mold hasn't transferred to anything else and you're still good. Like you can still go with that. Um, I would probably either change the spot or maybe divide your bunch in two and try two different bunches. And so once you have the herbs stored, now again, you'll hear some people say not all herbs are, should you should dry. Um, there's like basil, chives, cilantro, parsley, um, things like that where you're just you're going to lose some of the potency when you dry those herbs there's no way that you're gonna be able to dry cilantro and it's gonna taste the exact same as it tastes fresh off the plant there's just there's no way but usually with that i just compensate by adding more of one thing or allowing it to melt longer in um in the stew or whatever so that you can get the most out of the flavor honestly parsley i'm not i i might be weird i don't really love this the taste of parsley fresh and I might get just scalded for that but I really do like the taste of it dried so it does change a little bit but on the, I would still buy and use all those I mean even basil I would still use it dried I mean if you have it dry it now once you have dried all your herbs they're crunchy they're good um, you're going to store them a little differently than you would the ones that come store-bought and they're already um you know, powder, they're fine, they're in their particles. You don't want to store them that way because yes, it's easier for larger companies to put them that way. They condense them into a small container and it works really great for shipment and large quantities of things. But for at home, if you do want to retain the, especially for the teas and things like that, if you're making that kind of stuff, plus I am just, again, a snob, so I want it the most potent possible. Uh, you're going to store them with a whole leaf. And this is because, again, once you get a ton of oxygen in the leaf and you break it into smaller pieces, you're just releasing all that good stuff that you only want to be released at the moment of use. Um, and so it's best to store them in whole leaf form as long as possible. And how I do that is I, you usually just take, I like to do a glass mason jar. Mason jars and glass are my go-to glass is the best as far as it doesn't release toxins into your food from you know, like plastic does, no BPA, no anything like that. Um, and it just stores really, really well. And it does, it's better than a bay because you're not squishing it or doing anything that would cause the leaves to break apart. So I will just, I would just take a few of your mason jars. Um, you can pick the leaves off. I mean, you, we don't have to just leave the whole stems and everything and have like 20 jars of basil because we don't want to touch it, you know? So you can take the leaves off and just throw them all into the jar and fill a jar up with those. And then you're going to put it in an airtight container and you're going to store it in a cool, dry place, just as you would anything else that you're going to preserve from your garden, whether it be, you know, 
anything. Basically, cool dry is the best option. Um, and I would say that those are going to last you about a, a year use. You're, you're hoping pretty much for your harvest. You don't want it to be like a four or five year thing. Typically, you're going to do it and you're going to hope to have enough to last till your next harvest. So we're going to hope that this is going to last about a year. And again, when you take them out or when you check it, just turn the jar around, make sure that there is no mold developing in there, that you didn't have leaves that you took too soon and you kind of ruined your jar. So we're going to want to make sure that our leaves are dry. If you're scared that they're not dry enough, even if they are showing all the signs of being dried, leave them out there a couple more days. That's totally fine. Um, and then go ahead and put them in the jar. And that is how you store, dry, store, and use your art herbs. So truthfully, it's a very simple process. Um, like I said, a lot of people talk about different ways to do it. You know, 200 years ago, they didn't have basically any of those. They only had the option of hang drying and it worked fine and people used the herbs and it was amazing. So I just encourage you guys, it doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to get a bunch of things to do this. You literally just get seeds, plant it, grow your food, trim it off, wash it, hang it up with a piece of string and store it in glass jars and you will have the freshest, best, most farm-to-table herbs you could possibly imagine. Um, and so, yeah, that is our talk today. I think next, I kind of want to stay, I think, on the theme of, uh, I, I do want to talk about homeschooling eventually too, but right now I'm just feeling very, the fall season's coming, it's harvest, It's I'm about ready to plant my fall garden, which is my first time planting a fall garden because in the Pacific Northwest, we just didn't have long enough seasons to do that. <laughs> so, so this is kind of all new to me. My garden outside right now looks so terribly sad. It looks just abused. Um, and, and it is. So we're going to take care of that. And then we also just plant some apple trees. There are certain trees that you plant in the fall, um, orchard stuff, and there are certain things that you plant in the spring. And apple trees are one of the things that you plant um, just before fall season. You want them to root in and everything. And we got, I think the trees we got, I think Travis said they're like, they're either three or five years old. Um, and we got them from a local nursery here. We planted them the exact way that they told us, which was very similar to how we planted our cherry tree at our first house, which that cherry tree did amazing. We had a, um, a peach tree too, which I miss. I want peaches so bad. So we're going to, when you are establishing yourself, another tip, getting off on a tangent here, um, whenever you move someplace new, you really need to look, if you are into gardening or planting or growing your own things, you really need to, to look at, okay, what is going to take the longest for me to get truthfully fruit from or vegetables or even if you're doing flowers what takes the longest to produce something so that i need to plant these things first so like with apple trees depending on how big they are usually it's going to take a couple years to produce um if you are doing roses that's going to take a few years for them to really establish so there's lots of different plants that it's going to take a while for them to be able to show off or have a harvest from blueberries, raspberries. They got to grow. They got to spread. So those are all at least a two-year commitment to get them. So you don't want to throw all the, the easy stuff in and you're getting all these little, like you're getting your vegetables, but you're you're forgetting the things like the apples and stuff, which truthfully are going to be the more expensive ones when you go to somewhere else and you pick them or you harvest them or you buy them from a farmer's market. Um it's going to be more expensive. So it's best to do to do those things yourself. So find the things that are going to take longest to grow, plant those first, get those established so that you're not waiting forever and ever or years and years to be able to get your own harvest from that kind of stuff. So um, I think that is enough information today. And um, we will talk more about gardening and fall stuff and all the fun vibes of this time of year in the next episode. So I will talk to you guys then. 